Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. When we got married so very many years ago now, I can't even believe it. It was just a given to me that I would go to the OB and get on the pill. And that was just what we would do. And, you know, my fiance at the time, my sweet husband now, and I did talk about it a little bit. What are we going to do about birth control? But that was really the question. Our question wasn't, what do we think about birth control? Or what do we think the Lord would want for us in this? The question was just, what are we going to do about this? Almost as though birth and children were the problem and we needed a solution for it. So we found our solution. You know, I went to the OB, I got on the pill, and um, that was just what we did for a period of time. And everyone that I knew did that too. Uh, There weren't a lot of people at the time because I got married really young and I didn't surround myself with a community of people who were really concerned with birth control before they were married. So it was really just mostly me and maybe a few friends who were looking towards marriage, but I wasn't really in a community of people who were questioning and wondering what does the Lord have for us in this? And what choice are we making and why? And so I'm really excited to be jumping into this topic today to talk about birth control and what are different options and what does birth control do? And so as always, I have brought an expert with me today. I have a friend who I met on Instagram, Sadie Gannett here today. She is a registered nurse, which probably is no surprise to you. If you've been with me for long, it's interesting that when I go back and look at other podcasts about uh Daring to think differently with um, Elizabeth Parsons was with a registered nurse who's thinking about things a little differently. Um, My podcast not too long ago about standing in truth and about medical freedom uh, were both with registered nurses who began thinking a little bit more. So here I am again with another nurse who has begun questioning and researching and, you know, It's this domino effect, guys. You start questioning one thing, you question the next thing, and you're so glad you do because there's so much freedom and joy in living with the information that you actually want to be having to make informed decisions for your family, which is what Sadie does. So Sadie has two boys she's at home with who are three and one. So she is in the trenches of motherhood with us. She has been married for five years. And you'll want to find her on Instagram. She is at organic.gannet, and you spell that G-A-N-N-E-T. And as always, I'll put that in the show notes so you can find her there. Oh, what is that, Zadie? Fix me. Two T's. G-A-N-E-T-T. E-T-T. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you're catching it. And I'll put it correctly in the show notes for you (laughs) so you can follow her there. Sadie, thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you so much. You're sweet. I'm honored that you would even ask me to be on here. I'm excited about this. It's great. Well, it turns out I love nursing friends because these nursing mamas who question things are like my people. So um, let's jump in talking about birth control. Uh, Tell me your story. What made you start to research this topic? So you have to excuse my voice too, because I have been sick this week. So I'm kind of like a little bit congested, but um, 
so I didn't grow up in a, in a naturally minded home whatsoever. We grew up eating like all the junk that you would <laughs> see nowadays. Um, and so it really wasn't until really nursing school, like starting clinicals and then actually starting to work, um, as a nurse in the hospital, when I just started to see things in the healthcare field that just really bothered me and like made me just kind of start to wonder and ask questions. And, um, I honestly just started to feel like a glorified drug dealer at the hospital. Like I was just giving pills all day long. Um, and it, I just started to ask questions like, how do we spend the most money on healthcare, but have some of the sickest people? Why is no one starting? No, why is no one trying to figure out the root cause? And it's always just a pill here. Here's a pill to fix that. Oh, you have side effects. Here's another pill to fix that. Um, that just really bothered me. I would start to hear things that doctors would say like behind the scenes, like not in front of patients, but like to me or other nurses. And it would be, I would be like, Whoa, Um, So anyways, I just started to ask these questions. And then, like you said, it's a domino effect. You ask questions and you start researching one thing and that leads to asking more questions and more questions. Um, And pretty soon I just realized I have to be the one to do research on all the things because I've seen what doctors say to me behind patients back and I see how they're making some of these decisions. And it's not always the best interest of the patient. Sometimes it's, it's not. And so it made me realize I have to be the one to research everything to figure out what's best for me and like truly feel informed on this topic. Um, but as far as birth control goes, when I actually started birth control, I was 18 and I had not gone through nursing school yet. So I was not even thinking like anything, you know, I wasn't in the natural realm of anything. Um, and I went on first, I first went on birth control. I wasn't married and I wanted it for acne, which is a huge thing with birth control, right? Women go on birth control for things completely unrelated to pregnancy prevention. Mm-hmm. I think it's 58%. Yeah. 58% wow. of women go on birth control for something other than pregnancy prevention. Um, and so I went in, I wanted it for my acne. I heard that it could help. I went in and like literally zero questions asked. Like it was like, Oh, you want birth control for your acne? Sure. Here you go. Wrote the prescription, no explanations. I think they told me you could skip the placebo pills if you want to, if you don't want to get a period, like that's just kind of a benefit of the birth control if you want it. Um, and that was it that first birth control made me feel terrible. It made my skin way worse. And so I went back in, asked for a different kind again, no questions. Oh, okay. That one didn't work. Here's a different one. And it just kind of looking back now, it kind of blows my mind how quick and how easy it was to get birth control at 18 years old. Um, no questions asked really just wrote the prescription. Um, and it really wasn't until I was getting married to my husband now and we were doing pre-marriage counseling. Um, and like you, that was our plan. Like, Oh, I'm just going to go on the pill. Like that's just kind of what I assume you do as, you know, a married couple, um, that didn't want kids right away. And so it wasn't until we went to marriage counseling, our pastor who was marrying us actually asked us in our counseling. He said, what, what are your plans for birth control? And I thought that was a super weird question when he first asked it. Uh Um, and the reason he was asking was because he wanted to talk, we told him the pill and he wanted to talk about how the pill and other forms of birth control can be used or can be a form of abort efficient, um, which completely blew my mind. At this point, I was a nurse. I had graduated nursing school, um, never once had even heard that talked about and never know from no one, nursing wow. school, friends, family, no one. I had never even, that never even crossed my mind. I just assumed birth control stopped you from getting pregnant. And that was the end of the story. Didn't even think much past it. Um, so we heard that and my husband and I are both very pro-life. Um, like life starts at conception. You know, my husband grew up like going to outside of Planned Parenthood, like we <laughs> going to March for lives. Like we're very much 
pro-life and believe life starts at conception. And so when we heard that, it was like, whoa, like what, what is this? No one has ever told me that. Um, and so that really kind of started this, like looking into it more. And then that was kind of like one aspect of the birth control. And then obviously the more I've become more natural and like learned about things, I started looking into like the actual side effects and health, um, you know, health side of it. Um, and then we basically just never, I never went on it when I got, when I got married to him. So Mm. that, but that, but our pastor bringing up the point about it being an abort efficient potentially is what really triggered me to like look into it more because that was something I had never heard about. I love that. I love that he was willing to go there and to cause you guys to have to think, even knowing that you were in a nursing background, I feel like that would almost seem potentially a little bit offensive. Like, why are you asking me this? This is not even your thing. You're the pastor. Let's talk about the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> it totally was. I was like, why is he asking? Like, this, that's personal information. He doesn't really need to know. And Are now, you familiar and, with HIPAA? <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I was, I was irritated at first. And I told my, my fiance at the time. Um, but now I'm like, so thankful he did because yes, that's just like, yes. where else would I have really heard that if not him? So. And isn't that what the generations before us should be doing is like speaking into us, even on the things we don't want to hear about. And exactly. be bold. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. And That's it's awesome. funny because I was irritated even after I learned about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad I know. But it was like that sinful part of me that was like, I just don't want to know that because I still want to use birth control and just not have yes. to worry. Right. Like I was annoyed. Yes. I was like, why did he have to tell me that? Cause it's like, once I knew I couldn't, I couldn't use it in good conscience knowing mm-hmm. that. Um, and so I was annoyed. And now I like talk about it on my Instagram. I'm like, look at me now, you know, like, it's just funny yeah. how the Lord um, uses things, but Absolutely. Well, we similarly, like I said at the beginning in the intro, started on the pill. And then um after our um our first new, once we decided to have children and decided we would be open to the Lord's leading in that, which is also kind of funny. Actually, if you go back and listen to my podcast, episode 95, I did it with my grandmother. And mm-hmm. we talked about living by truth over by over feelings. And I asked her in one of the first questions about when they decided to have children, because I just said it right. So just off the cuff, when we decided to start having kids and my grandma said, so matter of factly, you know, it's a funny thing about people these days in my day, we didn't decide to have kids or not have kids. It was just something we did Hmm. because that was God's because children are a blessing. And hearing it from her sweet 93 year old voice is the best. So go back and listen to that if you didn't, because it's, it's interesting. It causes me again to question my worldview question. Where did I develop these mm-hmm. thoughts, these philosophies when yeah. we decided to have kids yeah. anyway, when we did, um, then after our first, we knew we wanted to have more children. So that wasn't a question. And it's been interesting over the years, how our different methods of really more natural family planning has changed and shifted. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but honestly, our methods of planning our family and being open to the Lord's mm-hmm. provision of children and blessing of children differently has been um, really shifted as our worldview has shifted some. Mm-hmm. And as we've begun really trying to live more by faith and not just by our feelings and mm-hmm. um, in different ways and and maybe loosening the control a little bit that we thought we held through this pill. Right. 
right. which is an interesting thing. So, so let's start, let's talk about this. We're going to talk about some different birth control methods and some of your findings about these different methods, what they do, how they prevent, how they prevent pregnancy. Um, I'm really excited to get to share this. So let's start with the pill. Cause I know that that's like the hot one, you know? Yeah. It's probably the most common, right? Um, so there's two kinds of pills. So there's the combination pill, which is just means there's estrogen and progesterone in there. Um, and it's synthetic estrogen and progesterone. So it is not, that's like one of a really big deal. It's not the same thing as your normal progesterone. It's not the same thing as your normal estrogen. They chemically look different. They, they act different on the receptors. They're very different, but so there's a combination pill. That's probably the most common. Um, and it works by essentially cutting off the communication from your ovaries to your brain. It tells your, it's, it's telling your pituitary gland to not release the hormones needed for your egg to, to, for an egg to be released. So it's essentially stopping you from ovulating is kind of the main reason, the main way that it works. Um, the secondary ways that it works. Well, so it, it stops ovulation and then it, um, the hormones also thicken your cervical mucus, which kind of stops the sperm from being able to reach the egg. So that's kind of the first way that, um, stopping fertilization from happening in the first place is, is the intention of the birth control kind of a secondary way that it works is by the hormones also thinning the uterine lining so that if for some reason you do have fertilization occur, which it still can, um, that kind of secondary backup is that the uterus is too thin for that fertilized egg to be implanted. And so then you essentially miscarry it. Mm -hmm. And you usually wouldn't even know that that's happening because it's so early on. So there's kind of that, that first, that primary method and that secondary method. And that secondary method is where that, where, when I talked earlier about the abortifacient happening, like if you believe life starts at conception, when that fertilization happens, but you're making your body a hostile environment for that embryo to be implanted and then, you know, grow from there. If you think of it that way, um, essentially that's like an abortion. Right. Um, and so that's, that's where that kind of piece comes in. So that's kind of the three ways that it works there. Um, and then with the pill, I know we, we talked about this earlier, but a lot of women feel, so a lot of women are put on this for reasons other than pregnancy prevention. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but either way, either for any reason you're put on it, a lot of women actually think that it's okay. And that it's actually healthy because it's just regulating your hormones. It's just, it's, you know, you're having your period every, you know, the same time every month and you have that, those seven day, you know, withdrawal period. Um, but what's interesting is that it's that withdrawal period that you have, or that, that bleed that you have every month. It's not a real period. It is not the same thing medically as a real period. Um, it's not really a period at all. It's just your body's reaction to a drop in hormones all of a sudden, because those placebo pills are no, there's no hormones. So you, you stop the hormones and then your body has withdrawal bleeding. And that's what that bleeding is. It's not a period. Um, and so it's really shutting down your period completely. It's not regulating anything. And that's a really common misconception with the birth control. Oh, it's regulating my hormones. No, it's, it's stopping your hormones and replacing them with wow. synthetic, stopping your period. Um, and that's so interesting about the synthetic hormones, because I think about how, like, even, even back when I was, you know, 19 and getting on birth control, if I had thought about that as a synthetic thing, that this is a, this is a synthetic hormones that you're putting into your body. I think I would have even questioned it then. <laughs> right. Right. It just sounds terrible, right? Like no one wants a synthetic hormone, but it, no one really, it's so common to just, Oh, it's just, you know, we just don't even think mm -hmm. about it. Um, so anyway, just as like a really short note mm -hmm. on that, the, the withdrawal bleed, that period that you have in quotes, um, it actually, so when you research like the history of birth control, one of the scientists that, um, 
developed birth control was Catholic. And he thought that if they made the pill mimic the woman's cycle, um, meaning, you know, you have that 21, you know, you have a, a period every month, um, that it would be more accepted by the Pope, more accepted by the Catholic community, um, versus like, if you just didn't have a period ever, um, hmm. it wouldn't have been more accepted. So even it was like deceptive, even from its like origins, like in, in tricking women to, to think that, oh, I'm regulating my cycle. I'm having a period each month. And that really wasn't the case. Well, um, and I had also not considered too, that this was during the like feminist movement that all of this came to be with the idea of giving women freedom, you know, quote unquote, giving women this new, this new freedom of not having to worry Mm -hmm. about children or having this burden of children. And when I think about that, that that's where this design began. And then that we have just accepted it as normal, like that philosophy of that, that feminist movement at that time, I certainly don't accept that as normal and good, but I accept this product that has been created out of that time for those purposes as normal and good, you know, it kind of makes you question. Yeah. It totally was marketed as this sexual revolution, like game changing thing for women. They could just go sleep with whoever they wanted now and not have to worry (laughs) about kids. Um, it totally I'm was. laughing because I'm thinking about the women who listen to this and like, oh, all you promiscuous moms out there yeah. who are like, yeah, I know. Up. And that's totally <laughs> that's none of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the pill, the the um, the combination pill, it's 99 percent effective if you use it perfectly, which most people don't You have to take it at the exact same time every day. So 91 percent effective if you use it, how most women use it. Um a lot of the pills now, like the newer pills, they contain less estrogen. So they, they may have slightly less side effects, um, but still enough uh, to alter your brain and have these still severe side effects. Um, so some of the side effects, and this is something that I really want to talk about because this is something I was never told. And I know so many women are never told the side effects, right? You might be told, oh, you might have like, it's like a break in period to get used to it, or you might feel a little bit, but like they're not told these side effects. So higher risk of BV, bacterial vaginosis, mood swings. That is a huge one. I actually just wrote on this in my Instagram. Um, there's studies like large, large studies that show you're way more at increased risk for depression, anxiety, suicide. When you're on the birth control pill, um, you're 50% more likely to be diagnosed with depression six months after starting and 40% more likely to be prescribed antidepressants. Um, um, actually there's another study that showed, Oh, what's the number? I think it's half, half of women stop birth control within the first year because of the side effects. Um, and the most common side effect being, being mood changes that they report. Wow. Um, another huge one is it depletes nutrients. So another thing that women are not told, it can lead to things like osteoporosis. Things were like these conditions where if your minerals and nutrients are depleted, um, specifically it depletes nutrients needed for pregnancy. So folate, B vitamins, selenium, zinc, all of these nutrients that you need to have a healthy pregnancy are depleted. And what's crazy is when you have women who are told, oh yeah, once you stop the birth control pill, you can just get pregnant right away. No issues. And yes, you can get pregnant right away, but should you get pregnant right away? All these minerals that you need for like your, you know, to prevent spina bifida and all these things. And you're like, that's why you need folate, right? In your Pre- prenatal. That's why you're always, that's always talked about. Like that's all depleted. Um, but then women are getting pregnant right away and they're told it's not an issue. Um, you're at risk for autoimmune diseases like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, like lots of different gut issues, blood clots, strokes, heart attacks. I actually had a lady die on me in the ER who was mm-hmm. on birth control. She died of a blood clot, young woman. Um, 
went to her lungs. You're at increased risk of certain cancers like liver cancer, brain cancer, breast cancer. That's a huge one. Um, it's like, was that ever told to me? No, never, never, never was that told to me. There are studies that actually show it decreases the, the, um, the physical size of our hypothalamus in our brain, which the hypothalamus controls things like your sex drive, um, your mood, your heart rate, your body temperature, your appetite, these different like autonomic processes in our body. So it makes sense. I really want those to be functioning fully, actually. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) That just, it makes sense that you, people on birth control Mm -hmm. are like, I have no sex drive. Well, wonder why it can cause acne. Um, Adrenal fatigue, thyroid health. That's a huge mm. one. It disrupts um, women's thyroids. And actually their studies show that the like longer you're on birth control, the more you're at risk for hypothyroidism. It just completely wow. throws off your thyroid homo- hormones, leaky gut, um, gut dysbiosis, just messing up all of our gut permeability and in- in- inflammation in our gut, gallbladder disease. <laughs> I could go on another really, you really seriously. Point. You sound like one of those commercials, commercials. where it's I like, know, it's insane. just enjoy this pill, but also it can happen. Da, 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 it da, da, really da, is. <laughs> and these are not like minor things either. No, right? no. Um, yeah. Post-birth control syndrome. That's another huge one where women go off of birth control. And then several months later start to have these symptoms like or super irregular periods, hair loss, um, acne, adrenal dysfunction, migraines, depression, these different mm. issues, like after going off. Um, and it usually happens like three to six months after going off. That's a really, really common thing that women experience. Um, wow. And that's just one of the pills, right? So, yeah. um, so the second pill is the mini pill, which is what women on, uh, like who just had a baby, they'll put that on breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So if you're breastfeeding, um, which so- I did, I'm I'm glad to be able to talk about this too, having like made this choice myself, because I feel like it's so clear that there's like no condemnation or judgment here. So I'm like, I was there. No, I was I there right with you. You know, I was too. So yep. we did too after my first when I was nursing. That was just the given. Like, okay, right. get on the mini pill now. Well, you literally go into the doctor at your six week appointment. And they're like, all right. So what what's the plan for birth control? And they literally will look at you like you're crazy if you're like, uh, I'm not. We're not going to do anything. They like they will actually like give you a hard time about it, and they'll say like, well, I'll see you again in nine months. You know, like they're Mm -hmm. just very, um, they're really not accepting of, they equate like not being on any form of birth control to pregnancy. Like you will get pregnant is basically Mm -hmm. what they tell you. So, so you got to be careful with, again, with your questioning, because then you're going to start questioning your OB and you're going to end up with a midwife and it's going to be great. (laughs) Danger. (laughs) Go back and listen to my second birth story podcast. You'll be like, oh, that's when she ended up with a midwife. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's so funny how that, yeah, it is totally a snowball. <laughs> so the mini pill only contains, yeah. contains progestin. So no estrogen here because it won't take your uh, breast milk supply. Um, it's a little bit less effective than the combination pill, but still fairly effective if you take it, you know, how you're supposed to. Works the same way, thickens the cervical mucus to prevent the sperm from reaching the egg. It thins the lining of the uterus so that it, a fertilized egg cannot implant if that happens. Um the one thing it does a little bit differently than the, um, than the combination pill is a lot of women will still, um, ovulate actually about half of women will still Hmm. ovulate, which is important because that's when you have higher chances of fertilization to take place. Right. Um, same, a lot of the same side effects though, it decreased sex drive mood. It's actually worse for your mood than the combination pill. So more like more chances of depression with the mini pill, Um, Which is so crazy when you think about postpartum already and like all of the hormone mm -hmm. struggles that then we just add this in like it's no big deal and it is, it's messing with things further. Totally. Yep. So a lot of the same 
issues, headaches, migraines, weight gain, a lot of people have weight gain. Um, just, you know, they come with, they both just come with severe side effects, even though one is, you would think of a less, you know, they call it the mini pill. Oh, it's less hormones, just a little bit of synthetic progesterone, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about IUDs now for a little bit. I feel like that's a good, a good overall summary of the pill. Um, explain IUDs. So how do they actually prevent pregnancy? Okay. So again, there's two different kinds of IUDs. So there's the hormonal IUDs and there's the copper IUD. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll talk hormonal first. So there's a couple different ones, probably Mirena is like the most common one you hear about. Um, they are progestin only, so they don't have the estrogen. They're implanted up into the uterus and it releases hormones like directly into the uterus, um, mm-hmm. causing basically like, uh, well, it's a similar, similar effect as like the pill. And it was thought that it was more localized hormones and, oh, it wasn't given, it wasn't going systemic. Um, the research doesn't really support that now and, and reported side effects from women don't really support that. It's pretty clear that you're getting systemic hormones, even though it's going, you know, directly right into the uterus. Um, but it thickens the cervical mucus, thins the lining. Um, it does kind of like the mini pill prevent ovulation in some women, but not all women. And in fact, the longer you're on it, the more chances you're going to ovulate. So again, that's important mm-hmm. because if you believe life starts at conception and you don't want to be having it work as an abort efficient, that is, I mean, it, it, it can work that way in some instances, 45% of women 40. So in a study, 45% of of women's cycles were ovulatory within the first year. And then another study showed that after four years, 75% were ovulatory. So, and that's for the Mirena. So that's like the longer you're on it, the more chances you're going to be ovulating every month. Mm-hmm. Um, the lower progesterone ones, like there's, so there's four different IUDs. Skyla is another one that has the lowest, um, amount of hormones in it. Um, and like almost hundred percent of women ovulate on that one. Wow. Um, so and what about, what about the copper IUD? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to say the copper one is people think of it as, oh, it's better. It's not hormonal, right? It's copper. Um, and it does have the highest, I think women it has the highest satisfactory rate for women. If it works for you, people really like it. The IUDs in general, they're, they're a longer term option. It's not something you have to think about every day. It's like, it's literally in, you don't have to think twice about it. Um, so the copper IED, it's also called, called Paragard. You've probably heard it. it can stay in for 10 years. Um, and it works by not, not releasing, um, hormones, but the copper is actually like a spermicidal. It kills the sperm. Um, it creates this like inflammation within the uterus that is basically hostile for a sperm and egg to like fertilize and, and, um, you know, cause a pregnancy. Um, but, uh, it's still, even though it has high, higher satisfaction, it's still a lot of women report lots and lots of side effects, especially like if you have a history of already painful periods or heavy periods, this will make it worse. Like that is not, and a lot of women are, are still going on it even with painful periods and it will make it like 10 times worse. Um, mm. also copper toxicity, like studies show that it's releasing copper. That's part of how it's working. It's releasing the copper and it's killing the sperm, but that's making your copper levels go higher, um, which has all sorts of different side effects with that, like copper and zinc, like for instance, just mineral imbalances, copper will cause your zinc to go low and zinc is needed for all sorts of things, um, in your body. Um, and also like, if you have a history of estrogen, high estrogen, which a lot of women do, a lot of products we are using are 
estrogen mimicking. And there's just so much, we, a lot of women are, have high estrogen today. Um, and if you, um, if you have like a history of endometriosis or, um, just ovarian cysts or anything with high estrogen, it can, um, it's, it's contraindicated. And I don't think that's something that's tested for in most women Mm. before they're put on it. So, okay. So that's the IUDs. So when I'm thinking about this, I'm mostly thinking from like the woman's body perspective, I'm going to do another podcast, um, with down the road a little bit specifically about vasectomies, because that's kind of the route. It's funny, the time of life that I'm in now, I feel like that's just the given as people are like, oh yeah, when did you get your vasectomy? So that's going to be a separate conversation, but I also have had friends who have had their tubes tied. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe they've already gone through, you know, multiple C-sections and they knew we're going to be done after this one. Um, so let's talk about that briefly as another way that women sometimes will prevent pregnancy. Yeah. So tubal ligation or your tubes tied as it's known is basically, it's considered like, you know, the vasectomy version of Mm -hmm. for females, right? It's the permanent form form of birth control. Um, it's probably the most, it, it is the most, um, effective. Um, but it's basically they go in and they tie up your, either they either tie your fallopian tubes or they cut them. So they basically block, um, the egg from being able to go from the ovaries down, um, through the fallopian tubes and block the sperm from traveling up the fallopian tubes to the egg. Um, so that's basically, that's essentially how it is is stopping pregnancy. Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not supposed to interfere with your hormones. So you still have a period you're still, you know, that so that's one benefit is that it isn't it isn't messing with your hormones there. Um obviously though there's still side effects. It's a it's a major surgery. So yeah, you there's the side effects. That is kind of a funny thing. People talk so casually about and it's funny again because I I say, you know, when people were 18, they weren't talking about you know, the questioning birth control. And now here I am in my mid thirties and I'm like, no one's talking about questioning these surgeries. Yeah, like, right. These are surgeries that we're doing Permanent. to our bodies. Right. Yes. Well, you know, actually there are a lot of doctors won't do it. They won't mm-hmm. do the ligations for women if they've never had kids, um, if they're mm-hmm. young, because it is a major surgery and it's, it's technically a permanent sur- surgery, even though they do have reversals, but um, a lot of doctors won't do it because they don't want women to, you know, regret it later on, which is kind of an interesting thing, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, are there risks? Um, I mean, it's surgery, so there's that. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> the risk of the surgery itself, but you're more at risk for ectopic pregnancy. So the CDC mm-hmm. says seven out of a thousand. Um, so it's not a super, super high risk, but you are yeah. more at risk than the average woman, um, for an ectopic pregnancy. Um, post tubal ligation syndrome. So this is something that's a little bit debated. Um, and I think it's mostly just because doctors don't know what's causing it. Um, but it's sort of like what I was talking about that post birth control syndrome. It's sort of similar to that where afterwards, um, you get these different like menopause, like symptoms, um, heavy, painful periods, um, hot flashes, mood swings, anxiety, depression, sleep issues, brain fog, vaginal dryness, all these different things that you see typically like in menopause. Um, that's not that uncommon. And doctors don't know exactly what causes it. Some think it's the lack of blood flow that happens from to the fallopian tubes after some think it's a potential drop in the hormones after, even though it's not supposed to mess with your hormones, they don't really know. Um, but a lot of women report having that happen. Interesting. Um, um, and reversals, mm-hmm. reversals are an option, but it's not like just a casual thing. 
No. So they're expensive. <laughs> um, and they don't always work. <laughs> so yeah. it kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. It kind of depends on like what you have left remaining of your fallopian tube. So the best chances, um, is if mm. you just had your fallopian tubes clipped instead of cut, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, not clipped. Um, yeah, clipped. If you just had them like clamped. <coughs> oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I knew my cold would get me at some point. Um, so the, the better chances if you just had it clipped versus cut, but it kind of depends on the health of your fallopian tubes mm-hmm. after you've had yeah, it, done which it. makes it, sense because you think about these are the tubes <laughs> that are carrying your eggs from point A to point B. And right. if they had surgery mm-hmm. done, then it's a big deal to like reattach the <laughs> tubes in your body. Yep, exactly. So they say 50 to 80%. So it's actually a pretty high percentage that will go on to have a healthy pregnancy and your rates of success are higher, um, higher with a vasectomy reversal over Hmm. a tubal reversal. Well, let's talk a little bit about what some other (laughs) options are that women have too. Um, so I know that women can consider natural family planning as an option. So people talk about this as NFP. And it's interesting because when I see this come up in the social media discussions, normally following someone's post about birth control or about vasectomies Mm -hmm. and someone, you know, women just begin mentioning, oh, well, we use NFP or you can use NFP. So many women are not familiar with it. So um, a, do you want to talk for a second about NF natural family planning. Um, I can, or if you want to go ahead, no, let's do a little summary of natural family planning. And then I would encourage people (laughs) to also look into it and research it further for yourself too. Okay. So NFP there's NFP and then there's FAM, which I never really completely understood the difference. I think we, we say NFP to like cover everything, but there are some differences like FAM is fertility awareness method. And you'll hear people talk Mm -hmm. about that. Um, They're really very similar though. So natural family planning, NFP is basically what I gather from the differences and I'm not an expert on this. Okay. But NFP is generally the methods taught within like the Catholic church or like the religious community versus family uh, fertility awareness method. FAM is more taught with like a secular background. Mm -hmm. Um, They're, they, they use a similar science and technology, but just like the way that they're taught um, like for instance, NFP since it's more of a Catholic background, we'll call for abstinence during the fertile window versus the fertility awareness method will is okay with like condoms and other like barrier methods during mm-hmm. that window. So just kind of know that like when you're researching, the backgrounds are different. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of relate to both in some areas. So yeah, um, yeah. the way that they do it is similar. So it's all about like really tracking, you know, being really familiar with your body. So tracking your cycle through cervical mucus and knowing the changes in your cervical mucus and what that means for where you're at in your cycle. It might mean taking your temp, your basal temp every single day and, um, tracking, you know, what your temp is doing. Cause that changes throughout your cycle. So like, mm-hmm. uh, it'll, it'll raise slightly right. Um, when you're ovulating and you kind of can know through your temp. Um, so there's different, there's different methods. Some combine, you know, th- the two things, um, but it's really the, the, the core of it is really just like knowing your body and the symptoms that it's giving you to know where you're at in your cycle and know when that fertile window is. So you can either abstain or, you know, use a condom or whatever you decide to do there. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's interesting because it really puts more responsibility on you, which 
comes back to a lot of these things that we question. Once you begin questioning something, sometimes we realize we've been doing what we've been doing because it was easier. Um, But just because it's easier or more convenient doesn't necessarily mean it's best. And I think that's where I would consider or challenge moms to consider your worldview on pregnancy and family. Because this is something I've really been chewing on a lot. Um, and I know you might be listening. If you know me well and you've been listening for long, you're like, yeah, cool, Krista, you've got five kids. Like, how's that worked out for you? Uh, I would say it's worked out great because the Lord has really worked on me on what is my worldview on children and what is my what is my worldview on families? And I mean, my what is my worldview on lots of things? And one thing I began praying many years ago is, Lord, where do I look like the world? that you would have me look different because I think about like, even if you go back old Testament and you think about old Testament, when the Israelites began living in close proximity with other nations that were ones that were living, you know, with idols and worshiping false gods, and they began adopting some of their practices and adapting the way they lived to look more like the people that they were surrounded by. I realized the church has done this a lot. And when I say the church, I guess I'm talking more about the American church at large, Mm. that there are a lot of areas of our life that we as the church, as Christians look very similar to the world around us. Mm -hmm. And in any area, it's a scary prayer. Maybe like really think about it before you pray it. Lord, where do I look like the world that you want me to look different? Because you know, it might be some things that you weren't planning on jumping in. And I'm sure most of you listening have some areas that you can already say, yeah, gosh, I remember when the Lord convicted me on this or when the Lord conveyed the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this area. Um, but I think this is one when we consider what is our actual worldview on families and pregnancy, mm-hmm. how did you develop your worldview? Like, where do your views actually come from? What does God's word say? Uh, I think about Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. That's God. Do we actually believe that? That God created our inmost being, that he knit us together <laughs> in, my, in our mother's womb? Uh, do we believe that our frame was not hidden from him when we were made in the secret place, that his eyes saw our unformed body? Do we believe that verse 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be? Um, and then that next verse in 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, God, how vast is the sum of them. And I find such rest in that, that God didn't say in scripture clearly, this is exactly how I want this to be. Because I think about God's word is timeless. Number one, it's for all people of all places at all times. And so that would not work because times have changed. Right. But also realizing God's plans for each of our families are not the same. If he had the same plan for all of us, his word would be very clear. So we need to seek him because his thoughts are precious to us. And do we really seek his wisdom so deeply in this topic that we're willing to say, Lord, I will be weird or do different or maybe think differently for you, Lord. And then even to look at like something like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, and this is God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And if you claim this for your family, Lord, plans to prosper our family and not to harm us, plans to give our family hope in a future. And verse 12, we normally stop at 11, but let's go into 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I believe when we seek the Lord in this area, we will find him. He will make his will known to us, but we have to choose to. And again, that's already thinking differently because our world doesn't tell us to seek the Lord in this. Um, And then thinking kind of lastly with Psalm 127, that children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man, I'm going to say and woman here, whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So I would just challenge us to really pray with our spouse and be open to being different and thinking differently, because I think that once you do, it's a journey to a new way of living that is differently reliant on the Lord. And it will make us, it will make us a light in a dark place and a beacon at a time when the world is so hopeless in so many ways. And I think God can even use something that really is, seems like such a private Mm -hmm. privilege almost to be something different that can honor him. So I would challenge people to consider that. Yeah. Any other thoughts that you have on this, Sadie? um, No, I kind of echo everything that you you said, and I think that um, you know, like you said, it's it's a hard. It's almost like, at least for me, I didn't want like it was like this is it's just so common that like oh this is what you do you go on birth control. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that to even be like in question. Don't make me think about it. (laughs) Yeah, and I wanted the convenience of it, and that's what I find with so many women. so many women are like, okay, well, if I don't go on birth control, um, wh- what did you suggest then? And I'm like, well, I, I get what you're asking. Y- you want a magic pill that is doesn't mess up your hormones. It doesn't mess wreak havoc on your body. It's convenient. You don't have to think about it. And I'm like, that doesn't exist. Like, we know what the options are. We know what the options are. We just don't like them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's really, I think for a lot of women, it's that convenience factor. Well, I just want to take a pill and like not have to worry about it. Well, there's, that comes with consequences. Um, mm-hmm. And so just being open to like really thinking about what that looks like. And like you said, and for your health, even aside from a biblical worldview, what do you want exactly, for your health long-term? It, for your health? Exactly. For both. It's, it's, you have to think of both sides of that, but um, the Lord totally will answer and come through if you mm-hmm. seek him on it. But I think so often we're like, I don't want to seek him on it because I just want to do it do what I want to do, what I think is convenient and best. Um, and that can be, you know, you really have to allow your, you know, you have to just get to a point where you're like, okay, Lord, like what really is best? What really should I do? And be okay with it. Maybe not be going on, you know, a form of birth control that might seem more convenient. Um, that's mm-hmm. other thoughts. Yeah. It can, it's hard to be open to that sometimes. It was for me. <laughs> yeah. It's a jump, but it's a good jump. I think yeah. the jump is the hard part. Then once you're on the other end, for sure. it's so freeing. And, and there's know, so just, much blessing in that. Just from like a, a total medical side of things, I think we need so much more education for women just on like how our bodies work and what our cycles look like and how to track them. Like you said, you know, mm-hmm. and tracking your cycle and knowing the symptoms of your body. Like that's such valuable information, even beyond pregnancy related. Yes. Just knowing your cycle and knowing like about your body from a medical mm-hmm. standpoint it's so important and so valuable. And that's just not something that's taught to women ever. It's just going birth control, um, yeah. you know, suppress your, suppress your cycle, um, versus the opposite. And so women just, they're so uneducated, even about their own body from a medical mm-hmm. standpoint. And I just think there's value. There's so much value in that. Um, just knowing how to track your cycle and what that means far beyond like pregnancy. 
Absolutely. And you know what? I'll put some, um, if you have any additional places that you would recommend people go for research on this, I'll put them in the show notes. We can talk about that after we wrap it up. So people can have those to easily go to and check out. Or also I would highly recommend that moms find you on your Instagram because you have a lot of information on this in your highlights. And I will share it on my Instagram as well so they can find it there. Um, but just, yeah, encouraging moms, be willing to ask these questions be willing to go to these places and realizing, you know, again, I talked about it at the beginning. Sometimes it's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was for you first. I'll bet most of you who listen to me have things that you've questioned and that you do differently. So maybe it's the way you do school, or maybe it's the way you eat as a family, or maybe it's the way you budget, or maybe it's the way, even just the way you take care of your home, that you weren't trained in this way. And then you've learned, I need to do this differently. Or maybe you've taken motherhood as a calling and you used to just think it was something that happened to you. And now you've claimed it as your mission that God has given you. You have already begun to think differently in some other areas. So I would challenge you to let this be one as well and um, trust that you'll be blessed by it. So Sadie, thank you so much for joining us today. This was awesome. I so appreciate you being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. (laughs) All right. I'll see you next week, friends. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations and check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.